Good morning, everybody. How you doing? You awake? I heard some clapping this service. You guys get a gold star. We got to wake those 9 a.m. people up. You know, we're going to have to go start, you know, you know, doing some shots of espresso or something. Anyway, glad you guys are here. A um, couple announcements before we get going. Um, and that is, um, by the way, you might have to turn the volume up on that, the master, just so you know. Um, the one thing I want to mention is that, you know, we've been starting doing some outdoor events for our children's ministry. And yesterday they had a hike. Looked like, I saw some pictures. looked like it was a great time. So appreciate everybody helping with that. But if you are a parent uh, and you want to be in the know on what's happening with that stuff, we have an email list set up for that. And uh, if you would like to be added and you're not getting those messages, just uh, send us a message at info at darbycreek.org. Or if you already know Carrie Hayes' email address, just send it to her. She'll add you to that list. Uh, and again, that's just so you get announcements about what's happening with kids ministry, when the events we're doing, and how you can participate and all that jazz. So I uh, wanted to make sure you're aware of that. And then um, the other thing is... Uh, Anybody here like to bike ride? All right. All right. Excellent. All right. And so um, Franny Weichel, we, we sent a, uh, a message out for her. She's interested in, in, in organizing some bike rides for folks at Darby Creek. So, um, and we're not talking like, you know, 50-mile rides or anything like that or, you know, uh, climbing Mount Everest on your bike or anything. You know, it's just, it's just fun times uh, and just, you know, mostly flat terrain, which, you know, if it's around here, it's going to be mostly flat. Um, and so if you are just interested in that, you're not making a commitment, um, you know, if I, I resent that announcement out to our email list. If you get those email announcements, uh, reply to Franny directly. But maybe you don't get our announcements by email and you want to find out more about that. Uh, just, again, send an email to info at darbycreek.org and we will uh, get you that info about the bike riding. So because we want to find out who's interested and then Franny's going to organize some outings, and uh, whoever can go, we're going to go. It's just going to be a good time. Um, so um, anyway, wanted to make sure I mentioned uh, those two things. So uh, listen, let's go to prayer. Let's ask for God's blessing on our time in the Word, okay? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for just the opportunity here for, uh, to be gathered together in your name. And we thank you, God, that uh, you're here with us. Uh, in, in a special way as people gather together in your midst, and even those, our fellow brothers and sisters who can't be with us but who are watching online, Lord, we, we're united with them. And uh, we just pray, Lord, for healing for those people that need physical, physical healing. We know there's people in our church who are battling cancer, who are recovering from surgery and all kinds of other things. We just pray that your Holy Spirit would, um, would touch them, would heal their bodies. And, uh, Lord, we just... Um, also, just pray that you would help us, uh, Lord, to, to just be walking in step with your spirit. And pray, Lord, that you help us to be attentive to what you're saying to us individually today as we read your word, as we apply it to our lives. And Lord, we pray for our nation as well. Lord, we pray for healing of wounds, um, you know, just in the whole topic of racial reconciliation. Lord, we pray for healing of our nation's wounds there. And uh, we just pray, Lord, that you help us individually see how we can maybe help with that uh, in our own lives, uh, with the people we interact with. And, and Lord, we even just ask for 
leading uh, for our church family, Lord, how you might help, help us to facilitate that uh, too. Lord, we need your direction there. And uh, Lord, we, we just commit this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we are, um, this is the last uh, message on the book of Esther. So chapter 10 has just three verses in it. So I'm not going to do a separate message on that, although some could. Uh, you know, it's, uh, but there's just three verses there. Um, really kind of celebrating Mordecai, those three verses in chapter 10 to say, you know, what a great job he did. Um, and so now, um, when it comes to chapter 9 here, the way I'm going to handle this, this is like 30 verses. So I'm not going to actually read every verse. I'm going to kind of go through it in chunks and we're going to kind of hit the highlights of chapter 9, Okay. So, whereas before, I've, been, I've literally been reading pretty much every verse, which is fine. But just more for the sake of time today, I'm not going to do that. Now, um, what we're, one of the first things you'll notice in this passage is the very first verse mentions the word reverse, okay? And last week's message, I called it the reversal. So, it's like, you know, I could have called it the same thing really here. But uh, take a look at verse 1, and I'll I'll mention these other verses here in just a second, Romans 15, 4, and 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. So I'll go back to this slide in a second. But I want to look at Esther 9, 1. It says, now in the 12th month, which is the month of Adder, on the 13th day of the same, when the king's command and edict were about to be carried out, on the very day when the enemies of the Jews hoped to gain the mastery over them, the reverse occurred. The, Jew, the Jews gave, gained mastery over those who hated them. Uh, and we're just starting off with just this idea that, you know, all looked terribly lost for God's people, the Jews, right? And because the edict uh, that was initially given by Haman was that all the Jews would be killed on such and such uh, a day, Right? This was the day. This day here, they were talking about in verse 1. That was the day. Well, instead of all of the Jews being annihilated, right, and the others having mastery over them, exactly the opposite was happening. And uh, when I read that, I just think about that no situation is beyond God's reach, right? Um, When all is lost, when we don't see a way out, right, God makes a way. Right? God makes what the edict, which could not be reversed because it was issued as a law of the Medes and Persians, which could not be undone. Another edict was given, right? That God's people could defend themselves. They could, uh, in a matter of self-defense, um, defend themselves. And so that's what's going to happen. And so I just think about this, that, you know, sometimes we can lose hope. We can lose hope in our own life situations where we don't see a way out of this thing that we're in. We don't see a way of things ever reversing themselves. Um, you know, and, and, and I don't know what that might be for you right now, what in a situation that might seem like there's no way this could ever turn around. Um, but sometimes we feel that way, at least this happens to me, sometimes we feel that way if all I'm hearing is the world's voices. If all I'm hearing is people that have a perspective where God's not a part of the equation, right? God's all a part of Esther here, even though we don't see his name mentioned, you know? 
but his hand's all over it, isn't it? He's all working in all the situations. And I just love that because when it says on that very day, the reverse occurred, it was like right down to the wire, right down to the wire, man. Uh, I can't tell you how many times in my own life where I was trusting God for something and at just the last moment, a check came in the mail or something like that. I mean, literally, that happened to us one time in a living situation where we're going to have to start paying double rent, double rent. It's a long story, but you know, I don't know about you, but I don't have the money to pay double rent. <laughs> so I just don't have that kind of cash floating around. On that very day that we were going to have to pay double rent, boom, they let us out of our lease. Praise God. And, so, and, God, and it was a good reason. For good reason, we needed to leave. Um, and so uh, I'm just saying that's the kind of God we serve. And he, and he doesn't always work in ways we think he will, right? He doesn't maybe reverse things the way we think he will, but he's faithful to us and we should not lose heart. Let me take a look at these verses here that I have um, referenced. Romans 15.4, just a wonderful, wonderful reminder. It says, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Isn't that interesting? Listen, it says, the things that were written before, you know, right in the scriptures, they're written for us, right? And they have a specific purpose too. And one of those purposes is that um, they would help us endure and encourage us as we're going along. I mean, don't you just love the stories that you read in the scriptures that happen of, you know, I think about um, in my quiet time this week, one of the passages I was to read was in Daniel, I think it was Daniel 6, Daniel in the lion's den, right? And just I mean, I mean, you just know. I mean, what happens when you throw somebody in the lion's den? They get torn to shreds, right? I mean, you just know it, man. And, but, but uh, you know, here he was, right? The angel, he says, an angel shut the mouth of the lion, right? And God delivered him. The night came over, the king came down. Hey, hey, Daniel, has your God delivered you? And he was hoping he would because the king had given an order that, again, was according to the law of the Medes and Persians that he would be thrown in there, anybody who didn't worship him. And Daniel was delivered, right, just at that last moment. And so these stories, when we read them, they're written for our encouragement. They teach us about God, what God is like, but they're also written for our encouragement. Then we're, when we're in situations where we have to trust the Lord, we see his faithfulness in all these believers' lives down through all the ages. And that should be a blessing to us. We should... We should uh, see that as something that we need to hang on to. That's, you know, there's plenty of reasons to read the Bible, plenty of reasons to read God's Word. But one of them is we need encouragement, man. We need, and it's there. The Word of God is a great encouragement to us. And it says there that through encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. You need some hope today? One of the things you need to do, get into the Word of God. Let it speak to your heart. The Lord will give you hope. Now, this other verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 to 18, says this, speaking to the idea of losing heart, right? Because the, the, uh, God's people could have lost heart. I mean, the calendar's flipping by, right? Uh, the edict is still uh, enacted. These guys are going to kill us, right? So it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18, so we do not lose heart. 
Well, why, why does Paul not lose heart? I'm glad you asked. So it says, though our outer self is wasting away, I mean, he was going through some very difficult things. He went through beatings, all kinds of things for God, right? Because he was a Christian, he, he suffered persecution. But he says, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. That gives me hope. That gives me hope because no matter what is going on around me, if I'm a believer and I've got the Holy Spirit, if I will lean into the Holy Spirit and, 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 and abide in Christ, he will help me, right, um, bear up under what it is I'm going through, and he will help renew me every day. And he says, because that's what it says, our self, inner self is being renewed day by day. I don't know about you, but I need that. I need daily renewal because what's coming today is different than what came yesterday, man. You know, God has given us just what we need for that day. He says that in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, right? He says, can't worry about tomorrow because today has enough troubles of itself. And so just like the manna came from heaven and it only lasted a day, God's going to give us what we need for today, okay? And he wants us to not lose heart, but to trust him for that grace, for that enduring power, for today, okay? So don't lose heart. Don't, don't lose heart. Don't give up on God. He's not giving up on you. Uh, he is there going to bat for you. Now that verse goes on and it says, uh, for, and you know, it says, for this light momentary affliction. <laughs> you have to laugh at that in context. You know, beatings, oh, that's light. <laughs> that's a light affliction. Boy, I hate to see a bad one. But he's saying it's light in comparison to all the stuff that God's gonna bless him with in eternity. He says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not for the things that are seen but that are unseen. And that is the key, isn't it? When we are waiting for that reversal to come in whatever form it's going to come, maybe maybe the reversal is just simply not a reversal of circumstances but a reversal of heart and of empowerment and of grace to endure, okay? It might come in that form. But while we're waiting, what's going to help is if we get our eyes fixed on not what we can see, this physical world. You know, every believer knows there's more to this life than what we see. There's a whole spiritual realm, right? But in this seeing, we want to be able to see what God's got for us in the end heaven, his presence, which we've never known in its fullness in that way. We've never, you know, we've never seen Jesus. (laughs) Can you imagine? I mean, everybody has an idea about what Jesus looks like, you know? I can't wait to see that. I mean, that's a little thing, but I'm just saying, you know, um, we need to keep our eyes fixed on what he's going to bless us with. And he says, he says, this is what we're enduring right now if we realize this is nothing in comparison to the things that, um, comparison to what we look forward to the things that are going to be coming in eternity, you know, maybe we need to read more about heaven. Maybe we need to read more about what God's going to, what's coming. That will help us now, you know. Um, so this, this whole, um, you know, no situation is beyond God's reach. It's illustrated in Esther. It's illustrated all over the Bible. And 
Many here, I'm sure, could give testimony to that today, to their own lives, you know? The God then is the same God now, okay? He can take things that look so down and out, like you're coming to the count of 10 on the mat, and boom, right? He does something. He does something. So, please, please, don't lose heart, okay? Now, the other thing I noticed in here was as I read through the chapter 9, again, I encourage you to read the thing, all of it yourself, but as I read through chapter 9, there were a couple of phrases that stuck out to me. And, you know, anytime you read uh, the scriptures, if something is repeated, it's a point of emphasis, okay? And that's just, you know, God uses, you know, this is written by men, but it's, it's God's word, right? And so he uses the way we communicate, right? So if you want to emphasize, you know, um, something to someone, you're going to repeat it in different ways, right? So in this passage here, um, in Esther uh, chapter 9, verses 2 and 16, let me read them and then I'll go back to the point here. It says, uh, the Jews gathered in their cities throughout all the provinces of King Asuerus to lay hands on those who sought their harm, and no one could stand against them, for the fear of them had fallen on all peoples. All right, so listen, it's interesting there that they gathered together. They gathered together in the city, right? In each of the provinces, don't you remember that number 127 kept coming out, 127 provinces. Everybody in each province, they gathered together because they're going to defend themselves. And uh, as I thought about that, and it mentions it again in verse 16. Now, what you need to know between verses 2 and verse 16, something happens. And that is after the first day, of, the, um, of, of God's people defending themselves, right? And they give a report of how many people were killed. Remember, they're defending themselves. This is self-defense, okay? Um, and a lot of people have problems with this chapter because they have trouble with killing, right? And I understand that. But listen, this was self-defense. They were going to be annihilated, okay? And so this is what's happening, all right? So what happens is after the first day, The queen is with the king, and he says, hey, Queen Esther, is there anything else you would like? Anything. Just ask. She goes, I'd like one more day to defend ourselves. Just one more day. All right? And he gives it to her. And then this happens. That's where we are in verse 16. That's what has happened. So a second day of defending themselves. It says, now the rest of the Jews who were in the king's provinces also gathered to defend their lives and got relief from their enemies and killed 75,000 of those who hated them, but they laid no hands on the plunder. It wasn't about the stuff. They're just defending themselves, okay? What's interesting, if you go back and research, um, I think it was back in um, when we first got introduced to Haman, we talk about Haman the Agagite, right? If you research the history of the Agagites, right, and how Saul was supposed to kill all the Agagites, right? He didn't do that, did he? He he, he kind of half obeyed, which wasn't obedience at all, right? He didn't kill all the Agagites like God told him to, but what did he do? They took the plunder instead. And I don't think it's any accident here that God, through the writer of the scripture, is saying, listen, they just defended themselves. They didn't take the plunder, even though the edict said they could take whatever they wanted. The edict of the king that was written, that Mordecai wrote, so they could take anything they wanted, but they didn't. I just think that's interesting. They, They exercised restraint. We just want to defend ourselves. We don't want your stuff. I find that fascinating. So 
So, but they get, it says, now the rest of the Jews who were in the king's provinces gathered together. My whole point here, these verses 2 and verse 16, they gathered together. They gathered together. You know what? The enemy does not want us united. Does not want the church united on any front, right? Because, you know, if you're a Christian, of course, you, you know, Satan can't change that in terms of, you know, you, you believe. But he can change our effectiveness as a body if he can get us um, to be infighting and, 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 and making matters of unimportance, making those important, right? Major on the major, minor on the minors, right? And so, but this is, this is critical, this whole idea that, you know, unity is important. You know, the enemy, we don't have a physical enemy, right? When you read in Ephesians chapter 6, you realize our, our uh, fight is not against what? Not against flesh and blood, it's against the principalities, against the rulers of this present darkness. It's, it's, there's the battle in the heavenlies going on. Satan is our enemy as a Christian now, okay? Yeah, there might be others who will persecute us, and we know the persecuted church. We know there are martyrs every day across the world. I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but I'm saying, ultimately, who's behind that? Satan, right? And so what we need to realize, one of the key, you know, if you study any military strategy, you have to know your enemy, you got to know what's their MO. How do they work? Well, one of the things Satan does, loves to divide. Loves to divide. So, um, you know, as, as believers, um, we need to pray, uh, you know, just about, you know, just bring it down to the local church, bring it down to Derby Creek, right? That's probably the easiest thing to do is say, hey, you know, um, what are the essentials here that we need to agree on? What are the bare bones, you know? We can disagree on other things, okay? We, we, can, we can agree or disagree on wearing masks or not wearing masks, but those are, those are not matters of importance, okay? We can be united, okay? We need to realize that, you know, first and foremost, the gospel and Jesus Christ needs to advance, okay? And we need to, be, we need to play a part in that. We need to, we need to uh, love our neighbors as ourselves. We need to... Uh, you know, let the kingdom come to our communities through the love of our neighbors, through, you know, and I, pr- I prayed the prayer like, you know, uh, you know, I was talking about the whole, in my prayer, I was, I was talking about racial reconciliation, right? Uh, and I don't know what, uh, what role God wants me to play in that, but I know that, I know he does want me to play a role in it, okay? And uh, I've been talking to uh, brothers and sisters of people who, uh, who are African-American. I'm trying to understand, okay? I'm, I'm trying to understand what's going on, okay? Because I don't know, all right? But, but I'm just saying, you know, I was just thinking how Satan loves you know, COVID-19, you know, and he also just loves people to hate on each other, right? I mean, it's just, you know, just add insult to injury, right? And, and so um, as, as, a, as a body, we just, again, we need to see that, you know, there's power in unity, right? And just, just, just keep it in the back of your mind. Satan's going to try to divide us. He always has. He always will, okay? So just keep that in mind. You know, those thoughts come in. You know, unless it's a matter of great importance, you know, you just shout them down. You just tell them what the truth says. No, that's not God. That's Satan, you know? That's what we got to do. So... Now, the second thing I see in here, after, after this happened, there's these two days, right, where they're defending themselves. Then 
<clears throat> there's great rejoicing, okay? And I'll take a look here. I'll come back to the slide. I want to look at these verses, though. Esther 9, 17 to 19. Let's see here. We'll come back to this. So it says, this, this was on the 13th day of the month of Adder, and on the 14th day they rested and made that a day of feasting and gladness. But the Jews who were in Susa gathered on the 13th day and on the 14th day, and then they rested on the 15th day, making that a day of feasting and gladness. Verse 19, therefore the Jews of the villages who live in the rural towns hold the 14th day of the month of Adder as a day of gladness and feasting, as a holiday, and as a day on which they send gifts of food to one another. Now, I can't imagine that they're celebrating killing all these people. They're celebrating God's deliverance. That's what they're doing, okay? They're celebrating that God delivered them, okay? They had a price on their heads, and God took them out of that. I mean, can you, I mean, it's just the same thing. When, when uh, God's people were delivered out of slavery in Egypt, they're celebrating because they've been in slavery for like, what was it, 400 years, right? And so they are, that's what they're doing. They're celebrating that. Now, so they were just thankful, thankful to be delivered from complete destruction. Um, And so go back to the point here, uh, the rejoicing, the Lord can turn our mourning into dancing. That whole, you know, there have been worship songs been written with that theme, right? Turning mourning into dancing or beauty out of ashes and that whole theme, that whole type of thing. I want to take a look in uh, Psalm chapter 30. Some of the Psalms kind of talks about that. Psalm 30 verse, verse um, 5 says this. Psalm 30 verse 5, it says, For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning, right? And this, again, we have to have a perspective because you know, many times when the psalmist is writing this, we don't know the time period that's passed. We don't know, right? But he, the psalmist does know from experience that joy is coming. Though we may be mourning right now, we may be having great difficulties, whatever your situation may be, right? Joy comes in the morning. It goes on in verse 11. Actually, I'll go verse 10, <clears throat> 10 to 12. Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. What a great prayer. (laughs) Help, (laughs) right? I'm sure you probably prayed that prayer many times, right? God, I'm really in a mess. Help. Verse 11, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. Isn't that what happened in Esther? Weren't they in sackcloth and ashes just a few chapters ago? Mourning, their coming death? They sure were, right? But now they're dancing. They're praising God for delivering them. They're rejoicing. Verse 15 says, That my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. We got to remember who got us out of that, right? And, and they were not going to forget it, okay? They were not going to forget it. And that really kind of leads us 
to this last point here, the remembrance. The remembrance. We need to remember God's faithfulness. And the last part of chapter 9, um, what's happening is Mordecai, you know, again, he's like the prime minister. He writes another, another letter, putting something into law. And what he's going to say, and I'll just read it for you. Let me go back there. <clears throat> So in verse 20, I don't have it up here, but I'll just read this uh, verse here. And Mordecai recorded these things and sent letters to all the Jews who were in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, both near and far. Listen, obliging them to keep the 14th day of the month, Adder, and also the 15th day of the same year, year by year, as the days on which the Jews got relief from their enemies and as the, and as the month that had been turned from them from sorrow into gladness and from mourning into holiday. So... Mordecai is writing this down. He's saying, listen, I'm going to write this into the law and you're obligated to keep it. And then we get into these next verses. The Jews accept what Mordecai has written. Look what it says, verse 23. So the Jews accepted what they had started to do and, you know, because they had been rejoicing. They had been feasting. The Jews accepted what they started to do and what Mordecai had written to them. So Mordecai writes it. The, the Jewish people accept it, Right? For Haman the Agagite, the son of Hamandatha, the enemy of all the Jews, had plotted against the Jews to destroy them, had cast pur, that is, lots, to crush and to destroy them. Remember, back in the earlier chapters where Haman's trying to decide the perfect day to kill all the Jews. That's what that was. He was casting lots day after day over a period of time until the lots told him, so to speak, the perfect day. Okay? And we mentioned, I remember in that message in Proverbs, how every lot cast, right, is determined by the Lord. On this very day, there was a reversal, okay? And so, so this is called the Feast of Purim, okay? What this is instituting is a, is, a, is, a, is a feast of remembrance for two days, okay? For two days. And my wife knows someone who's a practicing Jew, and what they will do is they still celebrate this, this holiday, okay? And when they do the retelling of the story, okay, whenever Haman's name is mentioned, do you know what they do? Boo! Okay? On the second day of celebration, do you know what the kids do? They hand them all noisemakers, and every time ha- Haman's name is mentioned, it's, you know, there's, you know, and they're, they're kind of retelling it in kind of an experiential way. God delivered us, okay? They're remembering that to this day, right? And so, so this feast that was instituted back then, this remembrance, these two days, the Feast of Purim, right? The Jews accepted that. And uh, it says, uh, so this is kind of a good retelling of what happened, right? It says, verse 24, for for Haman the Agagite, the son of Hamandatha, the, the enemy of all the Jews, had plotted against the Jews to destroy them and had cast pur, that is, cast lots, to crush and to destroy them. But when it came before the king, he gave orders in writing that his evil plan that he had devised against the Jews should return on his own head and that he and his sons should be hanged on the gallows. So even if you haven't been uh, listening to any of the other messages, you get kind of a good snapshot of what happened. Right, Haman, the guy who, who uh, you know, kind of uh, 
slithered into the palace, so to speak, and, and took control under the radar, right, and had a plan to kill Mordecai and all, the, all of his Jewish friends, right, in all, in the, all the provinces, he himself was hanged, right? Now, what we didn't read in chapter 9 was, guess what? All of Haman's 10 sons were also hanged. Do you remember in the earlier chapters, if you were following along with us, Haman, when he got together with all his hobnobby people, right, he was saying how great he was and how he was the only one that ever got invited to these special uh, audiences with the king and the queen and all that. And he'd always say, uh, make boasting about his sons. Well, where are they now? They're hanging in the gallows, all 10 of them, okay? And so this is the retelling here. So verse 26, therefore they called these days Purim after the term Pur. Therefore, because of all that was written in this letter and of what they had faced in this matter and of what had happened to them, listen to this now, the Jews firmly obligated themselves and their offspring and all who joined them that without fail, they would keep these two days according to what was written and at the time appointed every year, that these days should be remembered and kept throughout every generation in every clan, province, and city, and that these days of Purim should never fall into disuse among the Jews, nor should the commemoration of these days cease among their descendants, Okay, how many times, I can't, I, I can't, I haven't done a word search, but I don't think there's too many times that word obligated shows up. They obligated themselves. People don't like that word anymore. They want to do things when they feel like it. I'm just being real. That's the way I am a lot of times. I, I don't feel like I'm not doing it, you know? That's how it goes on sometimes, right? They were obligating themselves to keep this feast and festival every year and to teach it to their children. And so they would be obligated to keep it as well from generation to generation, right? So it's important. I think about how does this apply to us, right? It's just the whole idea of the, the importance of remembering what God has done in our own lives. Again, the, the God... Our, our, the God we worship is the same God that was way back when. He's the same, right? He's still doing things in our lives that we need to remember. He's faithful to us, right? He's faithful to us. And what we need to do is to remember his faithfulness. Um, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, in uh, a couple of times, it mentions the whole idea of remembering I'll just mention one of them, Deuteronomy 8, 1, 1 and 2. Let me get there real quick. Okay, so it says, um, Deuteronomy 8, 1 and 2, the whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do. You should be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and, and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. Verse 2, and you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness 
that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Many times, God tells his people to remember. In other places, he says, you need to remember because you know there's going to be, in all the blessing that you're going to experience there in that promised land, you're going to forget. You're going to forget what I did. You're going to forget all the, I mean, you and I, probably stand in judgment over the Israelites many times saying, you know what? How could they forget the parting of the Red Sea? How could they forget food dropping from heaven? Just the same way we forget. Same way we forget God's faithfulness. And so, you know, I, uh, I don't know in what ways you and your family, uh, you as an individual might remember God's faithfulness, but one way might be simply just to start sitting down, uh, maybe on a weekend, maybe even tonight. How about before your head hits the pillow? Here's an idea. Just take a notepad out and think back over the week. Where have you seen God at work in your week? How have you seen him? It doesn't, you don't have to be like, you know, manna from heaven days. I mean, there might be some days like that for you where God just really, in a big way, shows up, and that's cool. But, but what about just the little faith areas of we see God's faithfulness? How about, uh, here some years ago, it wasn't maybe just a few years ago, gratitude journals were a big thing. There was a theme kind of going through, you know, gratitude. And it's, it's a, obviously it's biblical, gratitude, giving thanks, right? But, uh, but start maybe recording just now, faithfulness, God's faithfulness. Or maybe as a family or if, you, if you're married, you know, you might, you might sit down as a family, to think about what are some ways that we've seen God work in our lives that we just want to remember? Uh, I've known families that have, have written things down on pieces of paper, maybe just a few words to jar their memory, and they'll put that in a jar. Or maybe they'll, they'll, they'll kind of do uh, their own version of after the Israelites had crossed over the Jordan, they put those stones in the middle of that river, right? They, why did they do that? Because they'd like to stack stones? no. Because when they're passing by the Jordan with their kids and their kids say, Mommy and Daddy, why are those stones there? Well, let me tell you what God did there, right? And so families will sometimes, or individuals, you don't have to be a family, just yourself, okay? On a little rock, write a word or a phrase that will trigger your memory of God's faithfulness. We got to remember. Remembering helps us when we can't see a way out. Remembering helps us when, you know, it was like the, the Jews here where they had no idea how they were going to be saved. They had no idea what God was doing by installing Esther as queen. They had no idea he was working all that out. And from their perspective, all was lost. Right? Our, you know, our kids, if you have children, our kids need to know that God is real and he still acts today on our behalf. How are they ever going to know that if we're silent? How are they ever going to know unless we tell them? You know, the, the little things, you know, and, and that's where I think God, what God is trying to do in Deuteronomy chapter six, when he's telling the parents, as you go by the way, as you go here, as you stand, as you walk, as you rise, talk about the things of God with your kids, you know? And that doesn't mean that every moment's, you know, crackling with the supernatural. We know that doesn't happen, okay? 
Let's get real. But I'm just saying, you know, bringing God constantly into the conversation, uh, remembering um, God's faithfulness. That's what we need to do. Lest we forget, because we have a short memory, at least I do. And it's not just (laughs) age-related. So, anyway, listen, it's a good time to just pray. Ask for God's help for us and to thank Him. All right, let's do that now. Heavenly Father, we thank You, God, that You are the one who brings us victory over sin. If You never did another thing for us, saving us from the penalty of sin in giving Your Son Jesus and, 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 and making salvation, in a sense, from a human perspective, so simple that a child can embrace it. That should be enough for us. That should be enough for us. Heavenly Father, let us not forget that. Thank you, Lord. Uh, Thank you for Jesus, for the blood of Jesus who cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Thank you that you've delivered us from hell, from the punishment that we deserve for our sins if we've put our faith in Christ. And Lord, help us, help me, Lord, to be better at remembering your faithfulness. Let us, Lord, take up that challenge even tonight before our head hits the pillow to write down just even one way we've seen you work on our behalf this week, your faithfulness to us, a promise you brought to mind, a help that you brought, maybe through the form of a person, a scripture, whatever. And Lord, then let us take those remembrances and turn them into praise. Let us celebrate, Lord, on a regular basis. And tell others of your goodness and your faithfulness, like we see so many times in the Psalms. Lord, thank you for this book of Esther. Thank you for the examples we see there. Lord, just help us to live these things out that we've learned. Thank you, Lord, that for the forgiveness that when we don't. But, Lord, help us to be faithful to you. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.